Hello, hello, hello. We're just two normal dudes trying to live this Jesus life. My name's Josh. Hey, my name's Andrew, and we are This Jesus Life Podcast. Josh, I'm still fired up about the music, man. Every time it gets going, I'm like, we're doing this. Here we go. Like, I've uh, had a couple cups of coffee this morning, but uh, that that got me fired up in a... Oh man, well that's that's the time change. It's two hours earlier for you. You know, I'm like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed at this point. Um, but yeah, man, that music always gets me pumped. How's you? How's your week been? It's been alright. It's been alright. Starting to get cold again, unfortunately. Uh, Lame. Lots of cool things happening in different projects I'm working on, so that's fun. Sweet, sweet. Um, work is work, as you know. We all got jobs and we got to do them. And sometimes they're a lot of fun and sometimes they're work. And right now it's work. Uh, that's funny. It was it was 80 degrees here yesterday. And today is uh, going to be 82. And then it's going to cool off more in the next like four or five days, but still in the like 50s and 60s. But dude, I got to tell you, I am stoked because uh, we're supposed to get a thunderstorm tonight. And after some good rain, we should have morel mushrooms popping up everywhere, bro. Which I know, I don't know if you've ever looked for morels or you like mushrooms or you care about any of that. Nope. But dude, morels are delicious. And also, it's just like the official start of spring, you know, even though we've had a couple good outside weather days, like as soon as they start popping up, for me, that's like a, Spring is officially here. Things are growing like we're doing this thing. So I'm pretty excited to try to find some morels. And uh, and I got a couple spots where I know they grow that uh, fill me with hope, you know, that we could uh, find quite a few. So, yeah, man, stoked for morels. That's funny. Do they grow wildly? Is that the thing? Or are they part of your garden? They do. No, they grow wild. Uh, so they're like... They're like a delicacy mushroom. They're like, if you buy morels by the pound, like dried, you'd probably spend like a couple hundred bucks a pound on them. Um, they're, they're really good. Yeah, but but that'd be dried. Um, if you buy them wet, it's probably like $20 a pound or 30, um, which is still substantial. But, you know, mushrooms dry a lot when they dry. Anyway, they... Um, they just have this like really awesome oaky flavor. They're kind of like, you know, bourbon minus the alcohol oakiness um, wh- and just like a really good texture. Like I love like I did them last year. I only found like 12 or 15 total. And my daughter actually found like three or four of those. Um, but because little kids have low center of gravity and can like look for mushrooms better than adults can, which is awesome. Um, but Anyway, dude, they're like, I did them. Did Are you coming with excuses why your daughter almost beat you in finding <laughs> Maybe, <mushrooms? laughs> maybe. That's what she's I'm good at it, dude. Like, I found one and showed her, and then she found like, like two or three. Her goodness of why she's yeah. better than you. Listen, it does sound that way, but it is a known thing that kids are super good at spotting them because they're low. So like as an adult, you got to like squat down a bunch and like look around under bushes and all this stuff. Kids are just already down, you know, so they're like, oh, there we go. It's right under my feet. But uh, teach your dog how to find them. Oh, I know, man. 
get old Clementine like truffle hounding over there for some morels. That'd be sweet. That'd be really I'm sweet. A, how old is Clementine these days? She's well, she's doing great. She is. Um, I think she's nine, nine in or she'll be nine Man. in August, um, which is crazy. But she's still, you know, she acts a little bit older, but she still has a lot of like uh, puppy, not puppy energy, but she has good energy. You know, she's she's doing great for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I was just telling a story about Finn a couple of weeks ago. Finn was Andrew's dog before him that uh, was famous. He was on that um dog abuse video Sarah like, McLaughlin the dog comes <laughs> he out wasn't of the, actually the, on the, it but he um, might have been I don't know um, <laughs> the, uh, what do you call it a dog in house in the arms like all sad. of an yeah. angel and I was like that's Finn he's famous but Finn <laughs> chewed up my door frame in a matter of five minutes um, when I watched him once that was after he already got into his food at Andrew and Jana's house and threw it everywhere um, which oh, I wasn't going to pick up um, but I right. did give them the heads up that there was dog food all over their house. Oh, uh, poor Finn, and man. I had to go yeah. somewhere and I didn't want to like, get into stuff. So I put him in the bathroom and he did not like that. So he tried to chew himself <laughs> out. Uh, and then I just and painted he was over like, it and, you know, no one said anything. He was like the kindest dog ever. Like he was full of love, mm-hmm. but man, he was very anxious. anxious. And it was probably because. And let me be clear, if he was actually the dog in the Sarah McLaughlin dog video that everybody knows, um, he that was well before he was our dog. We got him from the shelter and they said (laughs) we treated him with a lot of love, but we we got him from the shelter and they're like, yeah, he's he's about eight years old. And we're like, oh, cool. Like, we know he's an older dog, but like, we'll get, you know, like four five six years of life or whatever out of him dude later we found out from a vet they're like no he's more like 12 or 14 like this is an old dog this is not a not a mid-aged dog and uh man he loved hiking he loved being outside but towards the end of his life anytime we got him in the car or really anytime he was excited he lost all control of his uh his sphincter and uh, would just just poop. Oh, his sphincter—that's like, worse. Yeah, dude, it was horrible. It was horrible. So we'd just be driving to from our house to Palmer Park, which you know was like five minutes um, max. And in that five minutes, he would poop like fifty percent of the time, just in the trunk. You know, like I'm just oh. gonna lay a lay a nasty oh, poop gross. in the trunk for you. So. Yeah, man. Poor Finn. It was it was hard to put him down, man. He was a great dog, even though he was hyper anxious and had some old man health problems. Shoot, my dog is, I don't know how old he is. He's like six or seven now, depending on if yeah. you believe the Humane Society, because every dog you get, there's two. Right. Um, but he <laughs> yeah, already right. leaks. So oh. I can only imagine what he's going to do at 12. Like right now, Poor I don't know guy. what he's doing. He's eating himself out. Um, Jack, what are you eating? His eyes are closed. I think he's sleeping. I'm not sure, but his mouth is between <laughs> his legs. So maybe, oh, maybe he's just having not a, that, uh, not that a dream. He, don't get me wrong. He likes to lick that thing constantly, but, um, he's not licking it right now. <laughs> Jack, what are you yeah, doing? He's maybe in his dream. He's just eating like a pretending he's sleeping or, or he's just messing with me. 
Oh, man. Hey, bro, yeah, here's a question awake? for you. I know it's cold weather there still, but not for long. Um, when you grill out and it's like summer day, uh, like what is your go-to summer grilling food? Are you all about burgers? Are you all about steak? Do you go the poultry route and go with some chicken or do you like throw ham on the grill or do something crazy? Like what are you about? Ham? I don't know. Some people do that. Yeah. Some people do that. Especially those who like smoke things with smokers, you know, they're all about smoked ham. What do you do? What are you about? Wow. Uh, Hamburgers. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, If someone else is buying steak. Brats is my second. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Fair. Uh, I can cook a mean steak. Um, my mom got me like a $400 cooking class at one point. I think she was trying oh, to Oh, I forgot wife. that. Uh, but it was just a bunch of old people because <laughs> that's all that goes to $400 cooking classes. Right, right, um, right. But I learned how to grill a steak properly. So you get the perfect grill marks. Nice. And, you know, perfectly medium well on the inside. So I can cook a steak. Uh, but up. I'm not going to buy one. That's for sure. Especially yeah. for a group of people. Because, like, I feel like barbecuing is a group activity. Yes. Like, if you're, you could, I guess, barbecue on your own. I don't know. I would assume most people don't. Um, the only barbecue when there's like people around, um, and buying a steak for a ton of people just sounds expensive to me. And it is. I, it is. I like you, but I don't like you that much. <laughs> That's fair. We so we have more. Well, we have less steak on hand now than we did four months ago. But if you remember, so it's April now. Back in October, we bought. Um, so between Jana and I, her parents and her brother and family, <clears throat> we bought a half a cow um, from a like local farmer um, called Frontier Pastures. If you're in Pennsylvania, it's literally the best beef I've ever had. It's ridiculous. Um, so we got a half cow and then we divided that up. So really, we kept a sixth of a cow and they did as well. But that meant like 40 pounds of ground beef like tons of steak, tons of um, cuts of like, you know, chuck roast and all kinds of crazy cuts that we don't even normally get because we're like, you know, we just buy what we buy. But when you get a whole cow, you get portions of everything. So anyway, man, um, so we have a pretty good selection right now, which is really cool. Like it's we're loaded with steak and with beef and all that. But we're like, Still working. Like, I think we're on a good pace so that come this October, we'll be essentially all the way out of all of it and be able to do a restock. But it has been solid. But all that said, it also would be like, you know, like I got a London broil um, as part of that, which is a huge piece of steak. And we're going to have to have some people over to help eat that because it's way too big. But um yeah, trying not to be stingy, but I totally feel you with like, you know, having a bunch of people over and doing steaks for everybody. Bratwursts are my number. They're right there with hamburgers for me doing beer you brats. boil them first? Um, I boil them in beer um, and then I let the beer keep going and put in like chop up like a whole onion or two, maybe some peppers and throw it in there and just let it cook down to like beer onions and peppers you know add some butter as well obviously um and yeah man i'm all about a good bratwurst that's for sure Mm, that sounds good we went to a steakhouse you ever go to the steakhouse at flying ranch when you lived here no i never did i never did and it didn't it burn down for 
didn't that burn down and uh, then get rebuilt? So. Obviously, I don't think it would have came down. Okay, I don't think the fire, the Black Forest fires, came down that far. Um, this is like right just north of Interquest, not that far, uh, right, right. just south of Northgate. Um, and it was okay. Like I've heard a lot of good things mm. about it. Like a lot of people, it's but it's like a it, they're trying to be Morton's or like Capital Grill, but the quality right. is just not as good. Like I had a that's a, a hard thing about steak that was just oh yeah you're like mm-hmm. it's not worth what I'm paying for this thing no thanks right right yeah man fair enough well I'm excited grill season's here we did burgers last night and it was like awesome and just because you can't beat burgers you know and Jana and we did some pierogies that Jana had made from scratch that were also awesome. So anyway, man, I love grill season. Did you I'm ever you back. ever do the um, the stuff burgers where you put like some pepper jack cheese or something inside of it and seal it off so it's all melty on the inside? Ooh. No, I haven't got that methodical. Like last night, I did do chunks of Colby Jack, small, like you know, cutting up into like little tiny cubes and putting them right in the burger. So in a way, I stuffed it, but it was just like mixed into all the burger stuff rather than like in the middle. Are you guys, um, yeah, I'm gonna guess this is true, but are you guys uh, blocks of cheese kind of people or already sliced or shredded types of people? All about the blocks, bro. All about the blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, Saw that one coming. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, our microwave stances. Like we're also <laughs> we're getting blocks of cheese over here because it's like. Cheese is a such a staple, and with little kids, you're constantly trying to be like, "All right, how do I get you fat and protein that will actually stick with you instead of just crackers, you know, or just bread or whatever?" So, cheese is a go-to, and quesadillas are a total go-to uh, as well. So, yeah, man, all about those cheese blocks. Gotta love me some but, cheese blocks. Cheese in general, just amazing. But we should probably yes. dive into the conversation yeah. for the sake of time. <laughs> Yeah, um, you want to tee this up, man? I, and I know. Yeah, yeah, you tee it up. Let's do this yeah. thing. So we're in the middle of this series. We're calling conversations. It's ten conversations. Uh, it's um, coming from. I need to turn this page off. Sorry, uh, I'm inside of a Google Doc right now, and somebody's typing in it. Um, <laughs> that's you gotta shut that down. Distract me constantly. Um, change the Google Doc. Um, uh, was it gonna, oh, we're in the middle of those conversations. Uh, there's 10 conversations. It's um, questions comes from a company called True Face. We'll link in our show notes at this Jesus pod, just Jesus Life podcast dot com. Uh, and you can uh, purchase it there. But essentially, it's 10 conversations to uh, become fully known by someone and know someone else fully. Um, and it's not like fully, fully know. Let's talk about deep, dark secrets. But it's like, how do you foster a relationship with another individual in such a way that uh, they can know the full you and you can know the full them um, and kind of break down some of those those barriers. So some of these conversations feel a lot more vulnerable depending on you know what insecurities they hit. Um, some of them feel simple and easy. Uh, this one's this one's difficult in the sense that like it involves our families. We're talking about you know our family of origin. Um, so that's that's difficult in the sense of like how do you you know we we love our parents, we love our families, we love our siblings, and we want to honor them. And we're doing this in a public form. Um, so we're going to be as honest and pos- as we possibly can in a way that still honors our our families. Uh, yeah. In if you were doing these conversations with a friend or, or with somebody, um, we would we would say go deep. But 
um because these these stories of of origin family origins come um play play a lot of um play a lot of different roles um in how we view and how our worldview yeah. is shaped um how we interact with with others um because this is what we think is normal until something says otherwise but yeah, that's kind of it. So we've already done three of these conversations. We talked about just kind of the basics of our lives, our childhoods. Uh, briefly, we, we talked about um, our interactions with God over the last couple of weeks. Um, and now we're into conversation number four uh, with our first question. Andrew, got anything to add before we dive in? No, just that. Um, yeah, no, I don't, man. I mean, I think you said it, but like the way the the way we're raised like when we're young that kind of shapes our worldview and makes us think like yeah that's how the world is that's how everybody is and that's what everybody's experience is you know if you had two parents you think everybody does if you had one parent in the house you think everybody does you know and uh and what you learn about from your parents about things like love and all the things are you you naturally apply to God. So this shapes you a lot. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to dive in um, for sure. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in with the first question here. Um, How would your parents describe how they felt about you as a child? I have great parents. um, And uh, I think they would describe how they felt about me as like, they loved me. Um, I don't know. I, um, so context of my family, I have a brother who is eight years older than me and a sister who's six years older, older than me. And I was, I was a, a surprise to the family. Um, I think my parents were planning on having two kids and got surprised by having a third six years later. Um, but uh, all that said, like I was the youngest um, and and super well loved by my uh, by my siblings and parents for sure. And I don't know, like I think <laughs> I don't know how they would describe me on the day I was born. They might have been like, "Oh man, we're over our head. We didn't expect a third. But uh, but in my experience growing up, I think like stoked I was a part of the family. You know, like my my sister got to be uh got to fill her like mom role with me being six years younger you know um and she was always looking out for me watching over me sometimes smothered me but overall lovingly you know yeah and then my my older brother was like stoked to have a young brother but then also would get annoyed with me if i was like trying to do something that he with his friends that he's like, no, like you're the little kid, you know? So I don't know. Overall though, I'd say they, they loved me and we're, we're stoked. I was a part of the family. What about you, man? Yeah, this one, um, this one, I I saw this question last week. So I've been thinking about it all week. Like how would my parents describe how they felt about me like of course my parents love me like that's not that's not up for debate um i know that to be true um i've known that to be true it's not like that kind of thing but i think if there was like i would probably and they would probably tell me this so like if i went and asked this question i think this is how they would answer it i was a difficult child uh, mm. and difficult, not in the sense of like, I didn't have any health issues or that kind of difficult. I was difficult because of my personality. Like <laughs> I was, a ch- I'm a challenger by nature. 
Uh, right. Um, like you gotta have a why for me. Um, I'm not going to take you at your word. I don't care if you have authority or not. <laughs> um, authority is pointless to me if you're going to just abuse it. Um, like that's how my mind works. I'm not saying my parents abuse their authority. I don't, I don't think so. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was a difficult child, um, probably from an early age. I would assume I was a difficult child. Um, like it, it probably took a lot to parent me and to parent me well. Um, you know, I had plenty of, of run-ins with, with, uh, parents throughout the years. So, and I have four parents, so, um, we never lived with my dad after, um, like full time after second, first, second grade, sometime around then. So it's kind of that situation, but you know, I have two sets of parents, mm-hmm. um, and my parents have been married. Both of them have been married over 20 years now. So yeah, um, most of my life they've been together and definitely had run in. So difficult is probably the best way to describe <laughs> my personality, um, right. probably because I'm a, I'm a challenger. Um, hmm. and like, you know, I have the worst, probably the worst traits of both. So like I'm a middle child I'm directly in the middle. I'm nine years younger than my older brother and nine years older than my younger brother, my youngest brother. Um, there's five, five, wait, I, how many brothers do I have? You've got a big five, family, bro. Five, five brothers, <laughs> five brothers and two sisters. I was trying to figure yeah. out like, if you included me, so it'd be six boys and two girls, right. but it's a blended mm-hmm. family. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's half siblings in there. There's step siblings in there. I have one brother where we share the same parents. Um, and you know, we grew up together. We're a year and a half apart. Um, but other than that, like, so I was raised up until, uh, probably like early middle school, um, as a middle child. And then, you know, my siblings are older than me and the one that's right above me moved to live with his mom. So, um, then from there on, all through high school, I was raised as an oldest child. Uh, so probably have difficult traits. And being a challenger, being the oldest was fantastic. Um, I loved every <laughs> second of being the oldest brother because you were in <laughs> charge. Um, right, right. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. Like I'm the child. I don't know if I told this story. I told the story to somebody recently. It might have been on the podcast too. Uh, but like I was the child in first grade that stopped the production of you know the christmas <laughs> program to correct my my <laughs> class because they did it wrong like, no way that was the child no that got raised yeah 100 <laughs> uh, i think there may be a video of it i'll have to ask my dad um, oh i hope there it. is but, that'd be awesome uh, yeah. straight up because they said the line wrong stop the production <laughs> and i remember it being like a pretty full auditorium <laughs> who knows if that was true uh but like it was an auditorium nonetheless and yeah oh man doing it wrong my teachers Dude. would like give me stupid jobs just to keep me busy. Like I was the chair holder <laughs> or dumb things like that. Like I was, I was that kid. I was a very difficult child. Uh, dude, this is so funny. I, oh man, I hope you have a video of that. Like I can just imagine the reactions in the room of parents, like giggling and also mortified. Like a few parents, like that was my kid's line. Uh, and they I can got only it imagine wrong. To, like see my parents in the moment where they're like, Oh my God, she's not ours. <laughs> Let's just leave But it'd be so funny too. Oh man, that's funny. Let me say one thing. So as as we got to know each other, you know, years ago, the Enneagram was like taking Colorado Christians by storm. Um, because I don't know, probably all Christians, but especially in Colorado, it felt like a a thing that was like just a big deal to a lot of people. Not really sure where exactly that came from. 
I mean, I know some of the podcasters and things that made it like big, but anyway, um, and Josh, you and I kind of bonded when we're like, yeah, we're actually both Enneagram eights and which is classified as the challenger. And, uh, you know, I, I've reflected on it a lot and it took me a lot of like time and thought and, and focus to really understand that about myself because in my family as the youngest, like the next question is, was your family, was it safe, the environment you grew up in? And I would say always it was safe in, in my family, um, for sure. But I had such a unique role in that I was six years older or six years younger than my sister, eight years younger than my brother. And my parents saw me as the youngest child, um, you know, cause I was, but, uh, I don't know. I I've had a fairly high like emotional intelligence most of my life, I think, and um really all my life and like I don't know. I I took on the role of uh Enneagram 9. Um so I I'd, I'd say I have a strong 9 wing, but I'm really an 8. Um because the older I've got and the more I've settled into who I am, the less I am excited to be in that peacemaker role. Um, but I grew up in that role as a kid. Like I, like there wasn't violence or, or I would say there was much less conflict in, in my house than in many, like it was a safe environment for sure. But with three kids, there's always lots of arguing and lots of, I don't want to do that. Or why did, why did they get that? I want the same thing or whatever. And I just always found myself in this like peacemaker role, especially between my brother and sister, because they fought a decent amount just being close in age and for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, man, I grew up in that role. Uh, but yeah, the the older I've got, the more comfortable I became actually in that Enneagram 8 role of of challenger and also just like, yeah. I I very naturally don't have a respect for authority. <laughs> I'm like, no, like you need to have the best idea. <laughs> and I think your idea is not the best mm-hmm. half the time. I'm not naturally just disrespectful to that. I think that was probably like because of sitting in that peace peacemaker role and like developing that muscle and doing that a lot. But older I got, man, the less I wanted to be in that role. And the more I was just like, yeah, sure. I can see both sides, but it's not my job to moderate for you. Like you guys figure it out, you know, like I don't, I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hang out in that role anymore. Um, so yeah. I don't know, man, that's, that's a little bit, bit about me, but yeah. something pretty cool. I think I I'd say we're both eights, but looks a little different. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I have a similar story in that, um, like I played peacemaker cause my parents divorced early on. Uh, in my life. So I played peacemaker between my parents. Like we were the go betweens. I don't know how much communication that they ever did directly, especially, you know, mm. middle school, high school, early twenties, um, and kind of played that role until essentially my sister and I played, kind of played that role. We just got sick of it. So we decided to stop one day, um, and stop being the go between to share or to, you know, soften the blow of what the other is saying. We're just like, you know, if you have a problem with somebody, you talk, talk to them, we're out. Uh, which pissed off and probably hurt my relationship to some extent with my parents on both sides Mm. um, because they probably felt like, you know, I was choosing the other side or choosing not to intervene. But 
Like it was the healthiest thing for everybody. Um, yeah, you were really just backing out of it, right? Like you didn't want to be the middleman. Yeah. And it's been great ever since I would, wouldn't change that decision, but yeah, it's a, it's a rough place to, to sit. Uh, second question, Andrew, and then we kind of, you kind of just touch on this, but, um, what was, what was your home life a safe place during your formative years? I think your formative years are like up to six, I think seven, somewhere around there. Yeah, man. Yeah. I would say for sure it was safe. Um, the, yeah, definitely safe. Like I got to, I got to grow up, you know, in a like small ish, pretty small town, Zanesville, Ohio. Like, I don't know how many people live there today, but it's a, it, it's a mid to small size town, you know? Uh, anyway, I uh, got to live in this like kind of in, in a big neighborhood that was kind of like a suburb, but not really just like semi-rural neighborhood. Um, and like a bunch of farms around it and all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah, I, I felt very safe in the home and then also like had a lot of cool, like free reign of like the neighborhood and the area around it. Once I was, I don't know, probably five or six, that, that probably the circle started to widen, I'm sure of where I could play, but, um, yeah, dude, always had a safe home. And like one thing I still love to do that I uh, learned from my parents uh, is just invite people in like for meals, for hosting, for staying. Like, I don't know. I've always loved being quick to invite people to come join us for dinner or whatever. Um, And my parents really modeled that by being like a safe place for all my friends in the neighborhood and, and usually being really quick to say like, yeah, have Eric come over for dinner or stay for dinner, have Levi walk up the hill and stay for dinner, you know, like always being quick to invite my friends in as well um, and be a safe place for them. So yeah, I'd say for sure it was, it was definitely safe. Um, When it it comes to conflict, it was much more like I'd say normal kid stuff for, for kids that are, you know, up to six, like twice my age. Um, My, my sister Lauren and brother Caleb um, was where I was in that moderator peacemaker role, especially when they were going into like middle school years, which was probably when I was five, six, seven, eight, that, that range. Um, so yeah, man, what about you? How would you answer that question? Yeah. My, my formative years probably are my fondest of childhood memories. Um, hmm. like granted we have, you know, um, home videos of all these things. So it's probably more home video memories than actual memories, but like Christmas, um, time with the family, doing vacations, all that kind of stuff. Um, definitely uh, a safe place. Um, you know, we we jokingly refer to the four siblings um, as the original four. Technically, there <laughs> was an original two, I guess, before the you know my brother and I showed up. But uh, yeah, the original four before the family kind mm-hmm. of imploded and and became what it is today. But um, yeah, definitely a safe place. Um, like, and I grew up in a time where like community in the neighborhood was still normal. Like you knew all of your neighbors, right? Um, right. Like you did barbecues with them on a regular basis. You took care of the, you know, the older neighbors across the street, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, um, yep. like you knew, you know, you knew all the kids on the block. We didn't have a ton of kids on the block, but you know, there's a couple of, of boys my age. Um, and then of course my brother too, but my brother was in the backyard lining all his cars up. He had this weird habit. 
of putting cars in ginormous lines. And then I had this bad habit of riding my bike through them. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a safe place. Um, yeah, he did not, he did not appreciate He's that. like, yeah, I did um, not. But Josh was having a yeah, blast messing yeah, up my, my car line. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, here's where, not not necessarily where it will turn a corner, but yeah, this this next question is one where if you're listening, you could tell like, man, like even that last one was your child, was your home safe in your formative years? Like that's a big question, especially if the answer is no, you know, then it's, then it's really huge. But yeah. as a child, did you feel like a disappointment or a blessing to your family? Um how do you take that question, man? Because that's that's a potentially hard one. Like, yeah, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I know this one's hard. Um, like as a child, so putting myself in that, I don't think I ever thought of those things as a kid. Yeah, like I didn't think did I disappoint my parents or am I a blessing to my parents? Like, I was just you're just there. Like it's your family, so it's not like it's up for debate on whether or not you're in or out. Um, right. You're like, you're in. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever, those thoughts never really ran through my mind. Um, mm-hmm. whether I was disappointing my parents or was a blessing to my parents and helping them out. Like it just, it, it just now looking back as an adult, um, it, it, that's probably a different answer. And I'd, I'd probably have to think about it more, but, um, yeah, as a kid, I don't think those, those things never occurred to me that they were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, I don't uh, think my parents ever used yeah. the terminology of like, I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was in their vocabulary. Yeah. I don't think it was in my parents' vocabulary either. Um, growing up, like I, so two thoughts, uh, there were a few times in high school where I got, uh, where I can clearly remember and I can understand exactly why like, I might say this too. Uh, I got the, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed um, because of some things that I did where I, I earned that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was not acting in the way I was raised. I was not acting in a way of like um, honoring Jesus with my decisions at all. And it really comes back to what I shared with, with you, you know, a while back or maybe a few times throughout this podcast that we've done episode 83, by the way, that's a lot. So you can go listen to days and days of us do this. But um, yeah, man, I, I definitely was trying to live, like live a couple lives. One being like trying to be impressive to kids at school um, through things that had nothing to do with Jesus. And another, um, you know, trying to, trying to look like a, a kid fully living his life for the Lord to those at my church. And anyway, when you're trying to fake it on both sides, uh, you finally get some breakdowns there. So anyway, I did something or had some behavior that, that earned that actual disappointment at a few times. Um, but that was more late, like late high school years, I'd say. Um, but yeah, growing up, the other thing, like I, I felt loved and cared for and my parents were proud of me. Um, I, I had, I compared myself too much to my siblings. I don't know if you'd say the same, but like I, I over compared and maybe it's cause I'm I, the youngest of three, but like, 
Man, I distinctly remember I stopped playing baseball uh, when I was like eight, maybe. Um, No, no, I was about 10 because my brother was 18 or 19 at the time. So I was 10 or 11. And I decided to stop because my brother's like this. He's six, four, which is hard to believe because nobody else in the family except my mom's dad was that tall. Everybody else is like my height or smaller is about 5'10", you know? My brother's huge and uh, like big tall guy and left-handed as well. So he was a pitcher uh, and an awesome baseball player. And uh, like, I, I remember, like it was really cool. My dad was very supportive of us and loved coming to watch us play sports, no matter what sport, very supportive of that. And uh, like, I compared myself to my brother I don't know why, uh, but he was started. He was pitching at college. Um, he was playing on a college team, and uh, and I decided like I'm just gonna stop baseball because I'll never be as good as Caleb was, you know. Um, and it's a bummer because like it it was years and years later where my dad was like, yeah, I actually kept track of all your little league stats, and you were by far the best player on the team. You had the highest batting average, like way higher than anybody else. You were an awesome pitcher. You were like, you could throw further, all this stuff. And I actually, I, it's okay. I don't think I would have been a professional baseball player, but there was this level of comparison that I had with my siblings um, that I think was generated by me. I don't, I don't really think my parents were having lots of comparison talk, you know, but that's one thing where I just like, I felt a need to compare, like, how am I doing compared to Caleb, who, as an adult, dude, he's eight, he was eight years older than me. He was way taller than me, way different, you know? I love my brother. Um, it was just different, you know, a different season of life. So for me, eight years younger to compare against him, I'm like, that's just not reasonable, you know? So there was some of that, for sure, um, that, you know, had to work through, uh how do I compare myself to others or not um, to this day? And it definitely stemmed from when I was young. Um, and yeah, man, that's one thing that this question reminded me of. Not so much my parents, but just how I viewed myself in relation to, to my siblings, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. My brother and I are competitive um, because we're so close in age, but uh, maybe I just want everything. Uh, Andrew, when you listen to this, text me and let me know um, if you felt <laughs> you were constantly competing with me and losing. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't remember like comparing. I did get baptized because he decided to get baptized, and I was like, That's "Oh funny. hell no, you ain't gonna do it before me." And, and You're not interjected doing that myself, first. but uh, That's funny. Yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was a thing. Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard question to like put yourself back in there because there's definitely a part of my personality yeah. that's disassociating, right? Like, right because of my parents' divorce and because of things that, that happened in the midst of all that. Like, um, there's definitely to protect yourself, you start to disassociate with things, um, and there's definitely a piece of that in the in my later years um, as a child um, that probably came into play, but. I don't think it was ever like, I probably disappointed my parents plenty of times, but I never felt like a disappointment, right? Like I was never, it didn't affect my identity. I was just going to keep being me probably more so because I was just 
disassociated already that I'm just going to be mean. Like other people's opinions are going to to shape who I am. Um, yeah. Even my parents. But at the same time, I love when my parents are proud of me. So, you know, it's still there. Um, yeah. You know, somewhere along the way. I love my parents. I love it when my parents are genuinely proud of me and not just saying it. Right. Like I don't like yeah. empty words that you write in a card. Right. Like I'm not. Right. No, thanks. Um, but if you can give me like practical, actual um, times, then then that, that matters to me. But yeah, yeah I wouldn't say. Yeah. That was, and I know for some that's a big deal. Like they think a lot about that question. Um, for they sure. A lot about that question as kids. And um, I know it's there's something to it, but um, it's just not something that ever occurred to me that I was trying to earn their approval or something like that. I wasn't, yeah, man. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> probably should have been a little bit more. but I <laughs> Yeah, they're probably like, yeah, Josh <laughs> was always a bit of a turd. We love him, but he was <laughs> yeah, a bit of a turd. Uh, he always had his own agenda. Uh, I should ask my siblings. Like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, describe me as a child. I'm going to, I'll text them all, the, all today <laughs> and I'll ask each one of my siblings. I'll so. do that too. That sounds fascinating. See how they would describe me. It'd, oh, be, entertain- it'd be entertaining to me. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four. Uh, did you feel like your actions affected your parents' degree of love for you? Um, thought about this. I feel like I'm having lame answers to this, man, and I'm not trying to um, at all. I'm just trying to be honest, but like, I really didn't feel like that was the the case. I didn't feel like my actions affected the level of love or degree of love that my parents had for me. Um, and like, I noticed within myself that like, I really value now as a parent, like when my three-year-old's being a turd, I'm, uh, which three-year-olds are, you know, uh, occasionally or often or whatever. Um, like I've always really valued and tried to be super intentional to be like, like, I love you just as much now as when you're making me laugh. Like, and I think I got that from my parents and, and from my upbringing, um, is like, my love for you is not connected to, um, your behavior <laughs> essentially, or like my love is, is steady for you, regardless of whether you're making me laugh or making me shout, like, uh, or making me want to react in that way. Cause let's be real. Three-year-olds don't make you shout. They just give you plenty of things to shout about if you choose to do it. So I don't know. I think this is why, like, as I've got older, I think that that belief is why I'm, I'm able to understand or why I've always like resonated strongly with the idea of there's like a difference between happiness and joy um, where like joy is, is present all the time. And it's like part of your demeanor, like you're the, the way you think. And that's why it's a spiritual gift as opposed to happiness, which is like, yeah, I watched a hilarious movie and laughed for the last hour and a half. You know, that's happiness. Joy is like, are you grateful <laughs> all the time? They're like, can you find something to be grateful for even on your worst day? Like that's, that's more of that. So not trying to like skirt the question, just trying to make what I hope is a helpful comparison. Um, but yeah, man, yeah. I never, I never felt like my, uh, my, actions really affected the degree of, of love that I received back. Um, and with that, there were a few times where I definitely disappointed my parents 
with my behavior. Um, probably uh, because I was trying to, you know, be two people and I wasn't fully either one. Um, so anyway, man. Yeah. What about you? Did you, did you feel that like your actions affected that degree of love that you experienced? Um, no, like there's another question that's similar to this and usually applied to God, but I think it applies here too. Like, um, or maybe it's a statement and you know, we'll end it with true or false question mark. Um, (laughs) I know that my parents love me. Um, but when I did certain things, uh, they liked me a little less. Hmm. Um, and I think that maybe an easier way to a- answer the question. Um, like, yeah, yeah. I know my parents love me, but there's definitely things that I did that made them like me a little bit less. Hmm. But my issue was I didn't care. Hmm. Right. Like I wasn't my, I, I, it never occurred to my mind. Like what would my parents think if I did this, like never occurred to me as a child. Um, yeah. Like I wasn't, I, to, to this day, it probably doesn't even occur to me. Like I don't make decisions based off of that. I don't really make decisions based off of what anyone thinks in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, I, I, I don't want to say I don't care. I, I, I do care. It, like I want to hear it, but at the same time, it doesn't carry the same weight as, you know, weighing the pros and the cons of what the decision would be. Um, yeah. looking at the lack of a better term data. Um, so there's there's that that comes to play like so there's definitely moments that my parents probably didn't like me no doubt about it yeah uh, my brother and I made a video once and we left on the camera because we were dumb middle school kids uh, where we're like just like doing stupid things with the video like making like making dumb commercials um, I can't remember <laughs> one of the commercials like my brother in the shower and he's like trying to sell us. Um, uh, whatever shampoo he had, but we're like cursing, <laughs> left it like every other word, like is the F word oh, no. or whatever. Oh, and no. my my youngest brother was with us, so like we're in middle school, so he's probably like four or five, like he's young. Oh so no! Uh, and he's like crying in the background, but he's crying because we have the video, the camera connected to a TV, and he can't see himself. Is why he's upset <laughs> and angry. But my parents <laughs> took that as like. Look at our poor innocent child that is stuck with you two monsters crying um, because you guys are cursing like crazy. And you're like, "Eh, I don't think that's it. Um, That wasn't why. Oh, man. No, he's mad because he's not on camera. And, you know, he's self-absorbed because he's the youngest. Because he's four. But, like, there's those moments where, like, yeah. It was, like, this huge thing. where, And I remember even, like, sitting in in the moment where you're like, I don't. Why is this a thing? Like, sure, we cursed you caught us we do it all the time when you're not around (laughs) Uh, so there's that piece of it but like you have to look remorse and like you don't really know in the moment of like how do you react to this because you don't want to get in more trouble so take it i was gonna say take the hit but it didn't hit us but like you know uh, right (laughs) right probably wanted to hit us in the moment but they did not hit us (laughs) dude i hope they still have Uh, that video that sounds like hilarious and oh like, that's a good question yeah you gotta ask because <laughs> that would be oh man like, be they were probably so ticked at you when they you know interpreted uh-huh. it as what they interpreted it as but that would be really yeah. funny like yeah, yeah. Uh, i wonder man. i should i'll text my younger brother today and ask him he's like you know he's in his mid-20s now so it's been a long time but um i should ask him what uh if he remembers that that day right. when we filmed those videos Right. Hey, uh, before we, we keep had, like, going, we filmed outside uh, too. But 
Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, before we keep going on, on on questions, I know we only have about 10 minutes left before we got to jump out. But, um, dude, so this is like you referenced it a little bit at, at the beginning, but <clears throat> this stuff matters deeply because as people read the Bible, hear, hear things preached about God, like language of family, of God as father, like that is present all the time in how you hear um, hear and understand the concept of a relationship with God um, and love, you know, like what is love? Like, did you experience love from your father and mother? Like, if not, like these concepts are way harder to understand of like, why would I want that? Or, or love looks like this when it doesn't. But like John 3, 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And like as parents, there's just such a burden on you to as as people who try to follow the Lord and and live the way that God wants us to live and walk the way Jesus walked like. there's a burden of responsibility here because like your kids are going to see God the way that, that that they see you and they're going to understand love the way that you show them love. And like, and this is real and it's not, not an art own strength. You know, it's not, you should be a a white knuckling parent who, uh, who tries to show love well when you don't know what it means yourself. But like, I don't know, man. Uh, a lot of things come back to this and, a, and an understanding of who God is and how God treats you and how God thinks about you and views you. A lot of it really comes back to like, how do you view love? How do you view your father? How do you view your mother? How do you view your upbringing? Like what is right? What is wrong? All these things. Like a lot of it stems from the home and um, consciously or subconsciously. I think that's that's true for all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Um, but if you had a bad upbringing or you had a horrible example of love or of a father, especially, I'd say, um, then, man, when you hear preachers preach about this stuff or you read the Bible and you like you stumble across First John 3, 1 and talks about how how amazing it is that we can be called children of God, like you might not resonate with that in the same way. You know, you, you might be like, ah, I don't really want to ever be a kid again. Cause I didn't have power to change my situation. And I wish I did. So I don't really want to be called a child of God. I don't, I don't associate well with that, you know? So all that to say, I think that's a big reason we're having this conversation in this order is like the way, the way you view your family and your experience growing up, has a big impact on you, um, especially if you don't think it has an impact on you. <laughs> that's that's probably the key is uh, is is understanding what impact it left and what what you need to really work through on. Like, what does it mean when God is a good father? What does it mean that we're adopted into the family of God? What does it mean that we're children of God? Like, the, how you view these things, I think, matter pretty greatly. So. I'll get off my soapbox. I know we have a, add, a, a couple questions more, but yeah, man, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I'll add to this too. Like it, it's, it's not helpful 
in conversations like this to play the blame game. Um, like, you know, as the child, your parents did their best. Um, um, was there things that, you know, your, your parents probably would want to do differently in how they raised you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's true of all of us. Um, but at the same time, like blaming them or becoming a victim, like it's only going to hold you back. You, you've got to move on from those things. Identify them because that's important. Um, but don't identify them to blame or um, to become a victim, but uh, identify them so you have a, a starting place to build from. Uh, and, you know, as parents, you know, if you're if you have grown children now and you're listening to the podcast, like don't play the blame game in your in your own um, parenting. Like, don't don't say that you're a horrible parent. Don't like you did your best in that season. Like we, we couldn't expect anything right. better than that um, from you. Sure. Is there decisions you wish you, you, you made differently? Most likely I, I would assume. Um, but like you can't change the past. It, it's already happened. It is what it is. You can only move on from the past. Um, so a lot of these conversations lead to conversation. You even heard it when, as Andrew and I answered these questions, like it's leading to conversations that we're going to ask family members, parents, siblings right, about. Right. Um, now we're probably doing it jokingly or in, inquisitively, but uh, like if it's hard things that you've answered going through these questions, um, it may be, it may be deeper, more difficult um, conversations that you want to have with, with your parents. Don't do it in a way that, right. Um, is going to pass blame to them. Uh, make sure they know that it's a safe place, that you love them, that um, you're just trying to understand better, that it doesn't have any bearing on their identity or who they are. Um, like that's not helpful for anybody. And this is true of everything in life. As you look to the yeah. past, like you're not a victim. I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care if the most horrific things have happened to you. Um, don't play victim. Victim only holds you in that, in that place. Um, until you figure out how to overcome it. Um, like if, if yeah. you can't figure out how to deal with those stuff yourself, you can't figure out how to deal with the close friends to walk you through it, then then find a counselor that will help you walk through it. Um, but yeah. playing victim in this life is one of the most detrimental and destructive things that is, um, that could be to your, your growth as yeah. a human being, um, let alone as, as a follower of Jesus. Like we're not, we're not victims. Don't play those cards. Don't play the blame game. It's not helpful. It's already in the past. You can't change the past, but you can change your future. So don't hold on to the yeah. past. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so next question uh, and the final question, what did you not receive or hear from your father? This is related to what Andrew was just talking about because um, it affects your view of God. Um, but what did yeah. you not receive or hear from your father that you wish uh, he would have given you or told you? Man, um, this is probably the hardest question uh, because I should have thought more about it and, and had an answer ready, um, but I I didn't. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I I don't know, man. My my dad always had a lot going on, um, working full time, staying busy. Uh, he he always made a big point to to get to. I mean, pretty much every game I had as soccer player, track, all of that. Um, I think the one thing I would have enjoyed is is a little more one-on-one time. Um, I will say he, like, on the said-to-me side, uh, my dad was always really intentional to not, like, not over the top and not in moments where it to, where it didn't feel authentic, but to let me know he was proud of me and that he did love me 
Um, so I felt very affirmed in that. I think I could have, I, I would have enjoyed more extra time, you know, with him, but, but I also know like it's really hard to, to give time. And like, I look back at my childhood and I do feel like he gave a whole lot of time uh, intentionally. So, so for me, this isn't like a huge gap of like, man, there was something missing uh, in, in how he raised. Like, I think I could have just absorbed more one-on-one time uh, if I, if I had, could change anything. Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's what comes to mind uh, first for me. Hmm. What about you? That's good. Yeah. I think for me, um, like for me, it, 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 I don't know if there's anything, my, my issue um, is my dad wasn't, wasn't present majority of my life. Right. Like, you know, we moved to South Dakota and then we moved to Phoenix. Like we didn't get to see each other on a day and a basis. Like we saw each other a lot. Don't get me wrong uh, for living that far apart. But at the same time, like it's not the same right. when dad's in the home mm-hmm. and you see him every day and you get to interact with him every day. Uh, but like the time that we yeah. did have with my dad, you know, super intentional. Uh, yeah. You know, my dad deeply loved me. Like some of my fondest memories with my dad um, are like my dad used to love taking naps on the couch. Um, that's what I remember my dad being all the time. Um, granted, like, you know, he's raising kids and, and, uh, uh, also, you know, work nights kind of thing. Right. Right. Uh, janitorial business. So, you know, he's cleaning buildings, you know, late into the evening. So he was taking naps mid afternoon. Um, but I love to like get up and like lay right next to him. Like that was some of my fondest memories as a kid Uh, and just sleep with him. Yeah. Um, so there's things like that. Like we used to play wiffle ball, home run derby, um, you know, all the, all the different sports things out front, um, you know, constantly up until shoot, we're in high school still doing that stuff. Um, we go visit for, for periods of time. Like, um, so like my dad, you know, and I know my dad's proud. I mean, there's, there's parts of my life that we don't, we don't connect on cause he just doesn't understand them. Like the fact that I'm in ministry, um, uh, and you know, spent so much, so much time as a, as a pastor, like I don't think he fully grasps or understands that and probably speaks to even some of his wounds um, from the church and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that piece too that um, I wish was different. Um, but that's just me educating and having those conversations and, and that kind of stuff um, and digging into it. My siblings are better at that than I am in terms of, you know, reaching out to my dad and um, fostering that relationship. Um if my dad's listening, I don't know if he actually listens to the podcast. I should ask him. Um, yeah. We don't talk a ton uh, even today. Um, not because we're just, we're both busy and like my brother's yeah. probably the best at it. Cause well, one, he's in guitar, so he's probably lonely. Uh, he's right. calling all the family, right. um, but he has like a list and he works through that list kind of thing. Uh, but like now they don't have a commute, um, which is like usually when I did all that calling. Right. Um, right. You got to make you know, you a time in a different that way. Stuff and then you yeah. have to like, yeah, you have to, be intentional about it. Um, yeah. and I'm just, I suck at that. Uh, it's an area I need to get better, but yeah, that my, my biggest thing with where I wish I heard differently from my dad, it was just, it was distance. Like I knew yeah. he was always a phone call away. There's plenty of moments, you know, through the, um, hormone filled, you know, middle school years that, you know, I call him in tears kind of thing, frustrated about whatever. Um, but, or my mom, when you encourage me to call him cause I'm frustrated about whatever. Um, and you know he was he was there but um, yeah. yeah it was just it was just distance in you know in a lot of ways um god uh 
God took on those same characteristics, not because they're true mm. of God, but they're characteristics that I placed on him that, yeah. yes, God loves me. I'm not worried about that. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's a distant God. He's not, he's not mm. present. Um, you know, a good, good portion of my high school, middle school or high school and early twenties that had been true before yeah. I figured that out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, man. I'll leave you, I'll leave with, with everyone with this. Cause I think this is helpful. Um, especially when we have these conversations and I may be bringing up some wounds, um, you know, here's kind of our challenge to you guys is, is call or leave a message or, or write a letter or write a long text message, um, to your parents or your caregivers. Hmm. Um, you know, the person that took care of you, the people that took care of you and just let them know how thankful you, thankful you are of them and how they raised you like a good portion of what you, who you are today both the good and the bad, but more importantly, the good in this conversation um, is because of them. Um, so thank them for that. Um, um, even if it's hard, you know, depending on yeah. your history, yeah. that may be a really difficult thing for you to do, but I think it's going to be a really healing thing. Um, and don't let their response to that um, dictate the benefit of that. Um, and this is what mm-hmm. I mean by that is like, they might not be in an emotional place where they can receive it. So they lash out or they, they try to hurt you with it or whatever. Don't let that be the, the truth. Just just do what, um, I hate to say this it, this way, but I don't know the other way to say it off the top of my head. Like, just do what's right and let them know that you, you appreciate them, yeah. that you love them, and you're thankful yeah. for what they've done um, in your life. So I plan on texting my, my parents this afternoon. Um, to it's let a great them know challenge, that. man. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's worth Amen. it. Uh, and then ask your siblings what they thought of you as a child and how much of a pain in the ass you were. Uh, that'd be an entertaining conversation. Uh, we have a group chat with, um, like, uh, just the, I'll call them the original four, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, I'll text them and be like, how would you have described me as a child? I really want to know. Be as, be <laughs> as, be a funny conversation. I'll probably, I'll probably find it funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless you're going to like be an asshole and then I'm going to shun you forever. <laughs> Thankfully, that's not how our family works. We, right. To not talk to somebody. That's right. Thing. Um, hey, but, brother, uh, yeah. I got to. So, I got to jump. I was just going to say, and I know you're going to finish out, but um, yeah, love you, man. Thanks for this conversation and for helping model it. I know it's, it's not, not easy. So thanks for doing this uh, for sure, man. Sweet. Um, Yeah. And those listening, thanks for um, taking the time. Uh, Find people to do these conversations with. Um, whether that's a spouse or someone you you know already in a trusting relationship with, or maybe it's a, a good friend that you're building a trusting relationship with, uh, foster relationship with people be fully known and be fully known by others. But thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our show. It really means a lot to us, and we hope that it helps bring you closer in your relationship with Jesus and with other people. And it also helps us out if you rate our podcast or leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also follow us on Instagram and the Facebook. Now, sharing this with your friends isn't just to get the word out of the podcast. We believe that we have the message of hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you sharing this has the ability to transform the lives of the people around you. We want to hear from you. You can email us at hello at thisjesuslifepodcast.com. You can message us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can just visit us at thisjesuslifepodcast.com. But seriously, thanks for listening.